We pray that this word will be a blessing for you. But God gave me this word for this house, for this season, for right now. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter and the ninth verse. For you know, or we should know by now, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that ye through his poverty might be rich. Let's look at it again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. My thought or my, my uh, title today or my direction today is simply one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven words. And I simply entitled this thought, you can't get there from here. Look at somebody to the left, somebody to the right, and say, you can't get there from here. And let me tell you how I got this, uh, how I got this thought or I got this direction this morning. As many of you know, 31 years ago, after the process of being divorced uh, for a year, I went on the road full-time as an evangelist, traveled three years, Pastor Ron and I re-met, remarried, and for the next five years, we traveled the nation in different parts of the world, served full-time as an evangelist for eight years. Uh, a couple years into the marriage, uh, Courtney was born, and Pastor Rhonda came off the road, and uh, we rented her grandmother's house, which is now a part of Lee University, one of the new buildings there, or the new facilities. And uh, that, became our, that became our nest, and we began to raise our family. And I began to go up by myself. I would fly or drive out Saturday, preach Sunday through Friday, fly or drive back in Saturday, and then spend some time with the family. So because I was gone Sunday through Friday, Saturday was a very special day to spend time with the family. And I remember one particular revival, I was supposed to be in Chrisfield, Maryland. I don't know if you do or do not know where that's at, but it's on the east side of the Chesapeake Bay. And it's the place where once a year, hundreds of millions of crabs come into the bay and they're harvested and they do all, I mean, they've got, they've got crab butter, they got crab cakes, they got crab pancakes, they got crab syrup. I mean, they do more things with the crab. I mean, it's, it is amazing, but it's an interesting place and it was going to be an interesting revival. And I looked on the map and I figured it was about a six hour drive. So I stayed with the family until probably two or three o'clock that Saturday afternoon. And then I proceeded to head by myself. I believe I was driving a little Audi Turbo at that little white Audi Turbo at that time. And I was getting it, getting it down the road and I looked on my map and there appeared to be a bridge from Richmond across the bay to the Crisfield area. So I drove, drive Richmond about six hours, pull over to gas station, kind of one of those redneck gas stations, you know, one of those old timey, where they still did the windshields and check the tires and how crazy was that? But I told the guy, I said, hey, I said, hey, I said, how do I get to Crisfield, Maryland? I remember him looking at me and telling me, you can't get there from here. I said, well, what do you mean I can't get there from here? There's right here on my map. It shows that there's a bridge that goes across the bay from Richmond to Crystal. He goes, he goes, oh, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a bridge. That's a pier. <laughs> and on the map, it looked like it had gone all the way across, but it wasn't a bridge. It wasn't a road. It was a pier. And he said, certainly you can't drive your car on the pier. Like I said, you can't get there from here. So I proceeded to fill up with gas, get in my car, and drive all the way up to Baltimore, Maryland, and then come all the way down to Chrisfield, Maryland. Got there about 6 a.m. 
just in time, take a shower, put a suit on, go, go to the podium and minister to the body. And I, and I thought about that. I thought about that for a long time that you can't get there from here. What a thought or what a theme. And, you know, in, in thinking about I'm thinking about the fact that you can't get there from, from here. I, I'm thinking about the past several weeks, the past several months, the past several years. Our focus has been, or the, or the, the focus of most of the praise and worship ministry that's being released right now is a focus that there is a hunger for God. I'm hungry for you. I'm desperate for you. Some of the catchwords that we've been using lately is destiny, purpose, favor, blessing, anointing direction it seemed like that this generation is a generation that's pressing towards the things of god the bible says where sin doth abound grace doth much more abound and we know we live in a lousy rotten world and lousy rotten things are happening bad things are happening good people people are in trouble marriages are crashing and burning finances are out of order i mean this is a this is a crazy crazy day but the Bible says when all these things begin to come to pass and look up, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. And I believe as we get ready to step into one of the greatest revivals the world has ever experienced, I don't believe that Christ is coming back for an anemic church. I don't think he's coming back for a faltering church or a dead church or a dry church. I believe he's coming back for a church that is pursuing the, the motive of without spot and without blemish. That it's not by works lest any man should boast, but it is, it is a gift of God. But in this direction of pursuing God, we realize there's some things that we need to do to make ourselves eligible for for what God wants us to have and when I think about when I think about pursuing pursuing and trying to become eligible I think about some of the scriptures in the Bible that we quote and that we share from time to time and one of those scriptures is Psalms 42 and 7 it says that deep calleth the deep and that there's there's seasons in our life when that hunger for the, the God that's on the inside of us it's like our our heart begins to beat Do you remember E.T. when when a spaceship came back and the and the spaceship began to glow and E.T.'s heart began to glow that's how God has raised us up that when the things of God come nigh those of us that are hungry and looking for the things of God, we seem like a magnet. We seem drawn towards that. Then I'm reminded of Psalms 79 and 13 that says, we are the sheep of his pasture. So we know that he is our shepherd. We are the sheep. He is our Lord. And we're to pursue that lordship. Then I think about Psalms 91 that says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of almighty. A thousand shall fall on my right. 10,000 left hand. All the things that God has promised. But as we look at all the promises in the word of God, we realize and determine that there are some things that are out of order. The Bible says in Luke 16 and 10, there was a rich man that fared substantially every day, clothed in linen and purple. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, laid as a gate uh, full of swords, desiring to be fed of the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the rich man died and was carried to hell. Lazarus was carried to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man, being in hell, looks across a gulf and he sees Abraham, he sees Lazarus and the patriarchs, and he, and, he, and he wants Lazarus to come to where he's at to cool his tongue for he's tormented. And Abraham said, son, it can't happen. There is a gulf that separates you from us. We can't get to you and you can't get to us. There is a wall, there's a gulf, there's a, there's a schism in our life that has separated us from the love and from the favor of God. And you can't see it, you can't take an x-ray 
and determine what it is. Matter of fact, you could have a pulse rate of 72, a blood pressure of 120 over 80. You could be 98.6. You might think that everything in your life is okay, but you have something in your heart called sin and it is a disease and it separates us from the things of God. Can I get a witness anywhere in this play? Isaiah 59 says, my hand is not short and that it cannot save. My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, but your sin has separated you from me. So here we have this hunger. We're reading these books. We're watching these DVDs. We're, we're, we're going to Wednesday night services. We're, we're learning, we're understanding, and we're wanting to get closer to God. But it seems like the closer we try to get to God, the worse that things get. Can anybody relate? Isaiah 42 says that our righteousness is as filthy rags and there's none righteous, no, not one. David David saying, let me give you the verse. David saying in Psalm 24 and 3, Lord, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Who shall ascend into thy tabernacle? And David goes on to say, he who has a clean hand and pure heart. Clean hands and pure heart. But this sin that we have in our life seems to almost make it impossible to get to where God's at because of the mistakes and failures that we encompass and, and we entertain. Am I relating to anybody in the building? This morning on, on TV, the CNN News, and most of you know that I am a major Mount Everest buff. I mean, I've read everything there is to read. I've st- I have no intentions of climbing it. I'm just, I'm just interested about it. And on the news today, there was a guy, how many saw it? He survived. He left four of his friends on the mountain dead. Hundreds have tried to climb it. Hundreds have failed. Over 140 have died today. There are 40 carcasses on the mountain. They died and there was no way because if you brought them down, it would kill you trying to get them down. And this past weekend, four died and they're still on the mountain. When you think about Mount Everest located between Tibet and Nepal, 29,070 feet above sea level. What a lot of people don't realize is that once you get over 25,000 feet above sea level, it's 40 below and the air is too thin to breathe. It's impossible to survive on the top of the mountain. Nothing lives on the mountain. There's no grass, there's no animals, there's no birds, there's, there's absolutely nothing. It's just bare rock, glacier rock, frozen. To get to Mount Everest, you have to get on three different, and I know I've, 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 I've shared this with you before, but to get to Mount Everest, you have to go to three airports. You have to backpack 13 days to get to the acclimation camp. You have to spend 30 days in the camp breathing that air at 22,000 feet just to get acclimated to 22,000 feet. And then you've got to learn how to use the oxygen. You layer up, you have spikes on your feet, your gloves are so thick you can't move your fingers. And, and hundreds, not just dozens, but hundreds of people have lost fingers and toes because when you, when, you, when, you, when you freeze, you don't realize you're freezing to death and you don't realize that you get frostbite and all of a sudden your, 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 your body's infected in such a way that when you come back down, you have to have surgery. In 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and Sherbet Ensing, which, which was a Nepalese uh, uh, shepherd uh, watching over sheep, those two guys actually climbed Mount Everest, stuck their flag on the top of the, of the mountain, and the whole world cheered. And it should have. It was a great accomplishment. 
But the reason that Sherbet Ensign and, 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 and Sir Edmund Hillary were able to climb the mountain was that they didn't climb up the face of El Capitan, but somebody came up the back way, started the foothills, went through all the ridges, all the tributaries, all the trails, all the little draws, all little valleys, and got to the top. And when they got to the top, they drove a, an anchor into the top and then they lowered a rope from the top and they would come down a certain distance and they would drive a python into the rock. A python is a nail that drives a solid rock. And they would drive a python into a rock and then they would take different shackles and then they would, they would harness themselves to that rock and then they would lower themselves another hundred feet. They would drive another python the rock and they, sometimes you had to spend the night on the rock because a blizzard would blow through. You couldn't climb. You have a little tent you put around you and there you try to survive until the storm passes through. And then finally by driving a python tying off on the rock, they would begin to lower themselves and should they fall, they didn't crash and burn because they were tied onto the rock. I, does anybody get where I'm kind of going here this morning with this? I thought that was kind of so the way that, the way that Mount Everest has been climbed is that somebody from the top came down to the bottom and now you can start at the bottom and you can make your way up the top because somebody from the top has come down. Does that excite anybody in this place? Because I've got a feeling some of you know where I'm going with this this morning. Here's where we are. We can't get to where God's at. It's not by works. It's not by anything that we could do right or holy or good the smallest baby the oldest grandmother were born into sin we have that that disease called sin a few years ago the surgeon general changed the label on cigarettes i don't know if you've noticed or not but the label used to suggest that there was a possibility that cigarette smoking was bad for your health it doesn't say that anymore it says that it is bad for your health and it can kill you and if you're pregnant you smoke you could damage your baby and that's the license that's the that's a license that's been placed on the top of you and I that we have a disease called sin and we can't get to where God's at because God is holy and we're not holy. So aren't you glad that somebody from the top decided to bring themselves to us so that by, our, by him becoming poor, we could become rich and we could go to where God's at because of a price that's been paid. Does that excite anybody? I, I, would, I would have liked to have been there millions of years ago. When God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit came up with the plan of salvation. I would like to have been there when, of course, there's, God knows no surprises. Nothing surprises God. God knew that when Adam and Eve was created, he knew there would be sin. He knew there would be a disruption. He knew all that would take place at Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew the Tower of Babel. He knew all about Sun Yang Moon. He knew all about Adolf Hitler. He knew all that. And he knew that the day would come when we would have in our heart a desire to go to where he's at, not being able to get there. So God the Father, God the Word, God the Spirit came up with the plan. If they can't get to us, then why don't we come to them? Does that bless anybody in this building? So when they sat down and decided to come up with this plan, they decided, okay, let's anchor ourselves, and he ever liveth in mountains of glory. Let's anchor ourselves and be established, and then let's lower ourselves down this mountain towards earth, and let's make a path that man can get to where we're at. So the, so the Bible tells us in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. 
the word was with God, the same was with God, and everything was made by him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. So God, God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit decided, I'm going to come down this mountain, I'm going to drive a nail on this rock, and I'm going to call it the Word, and I'm going to make my Word available to a generation that can read and hear and learn and come to know me because of the Word that I'm going to give them. Was that not a great idea? But they knew that this Word would be misinterpreted, mistranslated, misunderstood, it'd be abused, so they determined, let's not just lower ourselves from the mountain of glory and become the word, but let's lower ourselves down this mountain a little bit lower. Let's drive a nail on the rock and let's call ourselves the light. For, for the light was a light of men and the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, where light is, there are no shadows. Right. Where light is, there are, there, darkness cannot survive where there's light. Can anybody relate? And when the light shined in darkness, the darkness had to leave, the darkness had to flee. But because there's no, there's no personal relationship with light, because light is impersonal and it's kind of cold and distant, they decided let's lower ourselves down the mountain just a little bit lower. Let's drive a python into this rock and let's let the word become flesh and let's let the word become a son. And that's why John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. The next verse says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So watch this transition. The king of glory, the God of glory, lowers himself down this mountain, establishes himself as the word, ties himself off to that, lowers himself a little lower and becomes the light. And realizing that the light wasn't good enough, comes even farther down the mountain, drives a nail in and calls himself the sun. Thank you, Miss Debbie. You are with me this morning. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. I don't care hell or high water. This is a word for this house, and you're going to get it. Matthew 24. Wouldn't we like to finish this this morning? I'd be glad to sit down and let you take it. Okay, Matthew 24 and 36. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. But the word can be mistranslated. The word can be, mad. it can be misunderstood. It can be misused. John 8 and 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And aren't you glad that light shines on this word that when we read it, like I said this morning, not just illumination, but we have revelation and we know what the word of God has to say. Galatians 4 and 2, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made unlawed to be born unlawed that we might receive sonship. So, that, so the word becomes the light the light becomes the sun then all of a sudden in Isaiah 59 it says behold his hand is not shortened and all of a sudden we see this rope getting shorter and shorter that where God's at it looks like there might be a possibility that we can get to where God's at but but the sun wasn't quite good enough so in Isaiah 43 and 1 God begins to declare behold my servant who I send to serve this generation he didn't just was, was happy being the, the son. He said, I'll be a servant. I'll come right to where you're at. I'll serve you. I'll bless you. He said, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be ministered to. I didn't come to be the first. I came to serve. I came to minister. I came to be the last. Does that excite anybody in the building this morning? 
Hebrews 13 and 15, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal of God, but made of himself no reputation. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and become obedient, even to, even to the obedience of death, wherewith you and I might know life. Watch this, watch this transition. He's the eternal God. He becomes the word. He becomes the light. He becomes a son. He becomes a servant and then becomes a lamb. We all know the story of the lamb. We know that if a man had sinned or had, had, had erred in his life, he would go select a turtle dove or a pigeon. And by, on credit, we know that the sins of the Old Testament were paid for by credit. There's a difference between a credit and a debit. How many knows that? The, on the credit, you know, we put it off to paying it later down the road. But when Jesus went to Calvary and died and his blood shed, that was a debit that paid for all the sins of mankind, all of the sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Your sins, my sins, the generations of three or four sins. And I shared with you last Sunday the reason the Sanhedrin got so angry when they put Yahweh nailed to his cross because Yahweh was the 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 unmentionable name of God. It was the mystical name of God. And when they put the name of God on the cross of Christ, everyone that was born through Adam and Eve, how many that knows that's all of you in this building? Uh, everybody that was born through that lineage, this, their sins were paid for by the blood that was shed. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But it wasn't just good enough to be a lamb the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I who were sinners could leave that place that we were were and we could climb that mountain and we could be where he wanted us to be. So watch this transition. He is, a, he is the eternal son of God. He becomes the light, the word, the light. He becomes a son. He becomes a friend. He becomes a lamb. He becomes sin. Now watch this metaphor. Now we who were dead to our sins and trespasses can now apply the blood of Jesus in sin and our heart can be changed that we are no longer a sinner, but we are a lamb and he is our shepherd. Does that bless anybody in the building? The word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And all the things that we do not have to want for because of his provision. The Bible says we don't want for anything in this life, for surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we shall not want for anything that life which is to come, for we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's all about the purpose and the plan of God. We couldn't get to work no matter, listen, no matter how good we try to be, no matter how good we try to think, no matter how good we try to help, there's always that, there's always that one, that one little negative, that one little, that one little DNA that we're born in this world and we're born into sin. And even though we were saved, Christian, we still die daily and we make mistakes. Paul said, I was the chief of sinners, but he came for every one of us and said, you don't have to lay there in that garbage. You know what? A couple of days ago, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what come over me, but I was just in one of those moods where I went out to the ranch and the guys had a couple of trash cans of, of, of trash. I threw the trash in the back of the truck. And then I went to one of the renters and there was trash on his porch and I threw it in the back of the truck. And then I went in the council room and the trash can was full of trash. And I threw it in the back of the truck. And then I went to the dumpster and I threw all the trash away. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to where we were, took all of our trash, threw it in the dumpster, and then said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be as crimson, they shall be white as snow. If we be willing and obedient and reason together, that God can do that. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, but it's by the gift of God. No longer a sinner, watch this, no longer a lamb, but after we start enjoying the things of God, we realize that there are things that we do to start paying back and we start serving. We start serving the kingdom of God. We start serving one another. This is the way the world will know that we're disciples by our love. We begin to love one another. And all of a sudden from that servant, there's a transition and we become what you guys saying this morning. We become the friend of God. He called Abraham his friend. He calls us his friend. No longer a sinner, no longer a baby Christian, no longer a servant, but we become the friend of God. Does that excite anybody? Then it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we begin to climb up this rope. We go from that gutter of sin. We pull the rope up. Aren't you glad that God, the anchor, holds that it will not, it will not be, be passed away. It'll be there forever. God will always have our back. He'll always have our life in the palm of his hand. He pulls us out of that sin. He washes us with his blood. He makes us a lamb. He becomes our shepherd. Then we become a servant and begin to serve the kingdom of God, then we become a friend, and then not just a friend, but watch this, a son, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All that's entitled to the Lord becomes entitled to us because of our relationship with them. And then not just a son, but he told his disciples three years after ministering, ye are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. And all of a sudden we go in that transition from sunship to light. And then like that, that, that eunuch that could not understand the word of God and Philip got up there and began to operate in that illumination and begin to show him what the word of God meant. All of a sudden we become the light of the world. People look at our light and as we shine reflecting God, they see our light, they know our testimony, they know our past, they know where we came from. They can't believe where we are. And because we have climbed that rock, it gives them courage to climb it also. And then last but not least, not just a light, but if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Then all of a sudden, we become the word. And our words start producing energy. Our words start producing miracles. Our words start producing souls. We start speaking and declaring the word of God. And lo and behold, it starts doing what God's word says it will do. Does that excite anyone? Something for somebody in this room today, something that you need to know is that as you're, as you're climbing this mountain, a highway to heaven, Isaiah 35 says, as we're trying to get to where God's at, Every time we grow in the Lord and we drive that nail in the rock and we secure ourselves that nail, as we grow, a as we climb a little higher, if we fall, good news, we don't fall all the way back to the bottom. We don't crash and burn and lose everything that we've got, but we fall to the place we last secured ourselves. Does that help anybody? You, you, you can make mistake and not be backslid. You can make mistake and not be a sinner going to hell again. You can, you can make mistake and, and not have to go all the way down and grow all the way over. But when you drop the ball, you fall to the last place. You take a breath, you get a grip. Come on now, you, you shake yourself, you square your shoulders, you throw your chin back and say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm climbing right back to where God wants me to be, what God wants me to do. Thank you, Church of the Harvest. That is the word.
that I felt like that God had for you this morning that we really can't get there from here but he came to where we are that song says you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky Lord I lift your name on high when you think about his goodness and what he's done for you it gives us a reason to show up on Sunday morning it gives us a reason to show up Wednesday afternoon it gives us a reason to go to the extreme on Tuesday the Bible study on Thursday it gives us a reason to want to find somebody that needs what we've got and give it away I want to tell you if you're not careful the spirit of a teacher will get up, come upon you and you'll start buying two of everything you can tell a, two, a true teacher a true teacher will have two rod and reels he'll have two shotguns he'll have two deer rifles his favorite lure he'll have two of them and what happens you'll start going to places like and Walmart's a great one just walk around trying to find somebody to serve. Hey, let me get that cart for you. Hey, let me open that door for you. Hey, let me put these groceries away for you. Hey, and all, and all of a sudden, you, you start looking for people that you can sneak up on and pick on because they have no clue what's on the inside of you. They have no clue what you're full of. They have no clue of what you're capable of, but they desperately need what you have. And sometimes it might be a process of going to the same restaurant three or four times in a row. Sometimes it might be the process of going to the same teller at Cook's three or four times in a row. But sooner or later, they're going to know that you're different. They start looking for you. They know you by your first name. And when there's, a, there's, when there's a knot on their log or there's a bump in the road, they say, hey, would you mind praying for me? Because they know that you're a man or woman of God of prayer. Why? because we are climbing this road and we're pressing towards all those things that he has for us. We expect opposition. We expect freezing cold weather. We expect blizzards. We expect the oxygen to be thin. We expect all of that. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if you're here this morning and you feel like you've struggled and you've fallen all the way back to the bottom, I'm here to encourage you this morning I encourage you to, to, to build upon what he's established. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. We know that a light year is 582 billion miles a, a year. 